instead of being afraid of technology, embrace it and figure out a way to use it in a, in a way that, that accelerates what you're doing. Because there's going to be a lot of people in a lot of industries that are going to fall by the wayside because they think that technology is going to take over what they're doing. I tell them, there has to be somebody who feeds the machine with what it needs. So you might as well be that person to create larger economies of scale with your with this technology and your skill set. So do not be afraid of technology. Use it in a way that's going to further every aspect of your life. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Speaks Podcast, where I sit down with successful entrepreneurs and hear their stories. From their biggest failures to their greatest successes, you get a behind-the-scenes look at what it really takes to make it as an entrepreneur. So come along for the ride and let's explore the entrepreneurial journey together. My guest, Brett Lane, is a digital marketing expert with years of experience in the industry. He has worked with some of the biggest brands in the world, helping them achieve their digital marketing goals and grow their online presence. In this interview, we'll be discussing his journey in the digital marketing world and his insights into the latest trends and developments. And of course, he will offer pieces of advice to those looking to improve their digital marketing efforts. So whether you're a business owner, marketer, marketer, or just someone interested in the world of digital marketing, you won't want to miss this episode. Let's welcome our guests and get started. Welcome to my show, Brett. Thank you very much for having me. Let's start off our conversation with your name, Dr. Digital. Why that name? So the reason I go with Dr. Digital is I've been in this digital marketing space for 20 years now. And this last February, I was able to get my doctorate in digital marketing where I got to study for the last year different components of marketing campaigns as it relates to SEO, social media, uh, pay-per-click marketing, email marketing, video marketing, anything that you can think of in terms of digital marketing as a whole. I spent a whole year figuring out how to take all those components and put them all together. So I was able to get my doctorate in February of this year. So that's why that's why people would call me Dr. Digital. All right. So congratulations on the doctorate. Thank you very much. All right. So let's let's get to know you some more. Um, can you share your background and how you got into digital marketing? Yeah, absolutely. I got into this industry almost over two decades ago, and I was working for a uh, rental car industry, and I was in their manager training program. And I wanted to do something different with my career. I was looking at different opportunities for marketing. And then at that time, I had started doing more as it relates to search engines. And I, I figured there was an opportunity there from a consulting standpoint. So I started consulting with smaller businesses and doing a lot of testing. This was prior to, you know, before Google was really a big thing when there were meta search engines and so forth. So I continued to do a lot of testing on websites and, and it intrigued me just learning how to make small changes on websites to be able to get them to rank better within these, these different um, search engines. And I told my wife that I wanted to look into this opportunity and make some money. And she kind of asked me like, how, how are, how are you going to make money doing that? And I said, well, any industry, there's plenty of opportunity to make money. You just got to be able to figure out what, how are you going to differentiate yourself in that industry? And for me, I love learning and solving puzzles and having answers to different problems. So I started studying heavily in, in looking at different algorithms. And at the time, my wife was actually working for a bank in San Antonio and she had been robbed 
um, while at that bank. And it was creating a lot of tension with her going to work. So I really needed to find something different that I could do that would enable me to push my career. So that was the, I would say that was the the seed that was planted at the very beginning of my career to get me into digital marketing. And since then, I've, I've had the opportunity of working as a consultant, then working for three major agencies that offered a variety of digital marketing services to then starting my own um, agency and being able to offer out different services to my customers. It's been a, it's been a really cool, but crazy journey to say the least. Okay. Um, we'll get to hear a lot more about your journey and what indeed are the lessons you've picked up along the line. What are the current trends and challenges in this digital landscape? I think some of the biggest trends are automation and being able to rapidly do things that would have taken much longer in the past. You know, we're going to be talking about AI here shortly, but I think some of the biggest, you know, changes are just being able to take things that used to take you a long time and get them done very quickly. One really quick example of that. Just two days ago, I was working on a project. I was using artificial intelligence to optimize title tags and description tags on a website. And in the, in the past, I had had to do this all by hand. So I was working on a project for nationwide insurance and I optimized 400 pages of their site, title tags, description tags. That took me a month to do that, working on that by myself. Crazy thing is two days ago when I was working on this other project, I was able to optimize 500 title tags and description tags and get through the first round of content creation in under four hours. So it's still going to take I'd say another three, maybe another five or six hours to get the content perfected. But me putting all that time would be less than two days worth of work versus looking at doing something in, a, in an entire month. So in terms of being able to get a lot more stuff done with greater efficiency and with less errors, that's where that's where I think technology is going now with all these changes with AI. Mm. Very, very interesting. Um, it's making things more easier and more efficient. Wow. So how do you approach creating a digital marketing strategy for a client or or brand? So what I do is I have my team and myself look at the brand itself, look at the different kinds of um, marketing activities that they're conducting. We look for their footprint online to see how big it is. We look at what their goals are, what they want to achieve by doing any form of marketing. Is it to get more traffic to a site, to get more brand awareness, to get more leads, to get more conversions, to get more sales? And then look at, well, what are their, their key performance indicators for success? And then once we have all this information, we're able to create a plan and say, hey, what, what makes the most sense for your particular brand in terms of digital marketing? Is it uh, more of a marathon approach and you're looking at getting traction over online from something like Google? Is it you know, an immediate response where you're looking at advertising platforms within social media or within Google? And then basically being able to tailor whatever their specific needs are um, and whatever their goals are with the type of marketing that makes the most sense for them. Because I wouldn't tell a client that's looking for immediate gains to do SEO. I would tell them that they need to use some form of paid advertising with Google, with Facebook, with YouTube, with Twitter, TikTok, um, all the different platforms that best fit their particular target market. Um, So everything is customized. We need to be able to have that phone call to figure out what the client's needs are, what platform is going to best meet those needs based on where their consumers are. And then at that point, we're able to, to custom tailor that plan to fit and supersede, supersede those needs of that customer. Very impressive. Um, so you've been on this journey for 20 years, and I'm sure you've had a lot of 
success stories. You've built a lot of case studies along the line. Can you share some of these success stories and case studies from your experience in digital marketing with us? Absolutely. So back in the day, I had an opportunity of working with Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts. And this was before social media was gaining any kind of popularity. This is when Twitter was brand new. And with that campaign, I was able to work with their team and create a social media strategy that would be more geared towards the brand as a whole, but then also geared towards the 80 locations that they had worldwide. So it was very interesting being able to create a strategy that would teach a brand how to speak as a whole within social media, and then also be able to have micro speak, if you will, to where each individual location, we were able to train those locations on how they could speak and how they could meet the needs of their customers. It was one of my favorite projects to work on just because Social media was at its infancy, and it was interesting seeing consumers integrate, you know, when they were communicating with Four Seasons, particularly within Twitter, to see how quickly Four Seasons was responding to that particular brand. Um, that, that was a, a fun project in terms of helping them gain more um, exposure via social media. And it's funny, too, because there's opportunities where you, you you work with brands and sometimes they take your advice and sometimes they see great successes. But then there's other op- opportunities like me when I, I had the opportunity of working with Build-A-Bear Workshops. I spent a number of months working on their campaign from an SEO standpoint. And in different companies, you have different challenges that exist in terms of bureaucracies between departments. And the reason I point that out is Build-A-Bear Workshops was a good company to work with at the agency that I worked with them, but it was challenging because I spent a lot of time with my team getting a lot of deliverables set up for them. And it was very hard for them to enable those types of um, recommendations to be taken in and implement on their website. And the funny thing is, is I was able to, my team and I found one small change that they needed to make to the way their, their website was communicating specifically with Google through uh, what's called a meta uh, a robots tag. And when we may had them make that one change, their traffic for the site increased by over 15% in less than 60 days. Wow. And that was just by one change. Unfortunately, they didn't take all the other recommendations that, that we had given them. Um, and the reason I, I point that out is I think their website would have seen much more success at that time if they would have listened. But, you know, the unfortunate and thing that you deal with in, from a digital marketing standpoint with other bigger brands is that sometimes you they can do the things that you're requesting and sometimes they can't. Sometimes they don't even give you a reason as to why they don't do that. So those are both good examples of, you know, projects that were fun to work on. Um, and I have a, tons of other projects just like that where I, I've had the opportunity of, you know, whether it be looking at from a link building standpoint um, or being able to work with, with SEO um, with link building, it was interesting when Progressive created what they called their eDrive program. You know, we I was able to work with with their team in um, in Ohio to be able to help them build out backlinks to their websites. And um, it was really it was a fun project, and it enabled me to see um, just how many links and at what rate you can grow a client's backlink portfolio in a very quick time, just depending on the size of the, the client. And since, you know, Progressive is a massive brand, we were able to do some really insane things in a short period of time. So those are just three examples of some big brands that I had a tremendous amount of fun working with as a, when I was with a, a couple different agencies in Ohio. Okay. 
Um, so like I mentioned earlier, you've been on this journey for a very long time. And like any other journey, I'm sure you've gathered a lot of experience. You've picked up a lot of lessons. Um, can you share some of the lessons you've picked up on this on, on this journey with us? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the key thing is, is you're, you're, once you figure out what you want to do, then it's almost like the next struggle becomes getting to the point where you want to go. And there's a lot of different kinds of challenges that are going to be presented. Could be for getting clients, um, what marketing tactics to utilize, keeping your eye on the ball. There's a lot of things that, that you're going to be able to deal with that are going to be struggles. And then, you know, most, most of the time people are afraid of failure. But then you get to a point where after a number of years of doing the right kinds of marketing, getting the right kinds of exposure, background, things of that nature, then you start having this fear that starts to take over of or fear of, 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 of success. Because now you're, now you're thinking, I'm already successful, but can I get to the next level of success? And then am, am I going to be afraid of losing everything that I, that's taken me years to build? So the, the biggest lesson that I've learned is to constantly just remain persistent in your pursuit for success and to get the, the to achieve the goals that you want to achieve. You have to continue to push, 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 because there are going to be tons of time where you feel like, you know, you're, there's this failure that could be there or you could lose it all. And, and it's easy to let those negative thoughts get into your brain. I mean, here I am now doing this 20 years and I'm, I'm now looking at, okay, I've done a lot of different things in the space. What do I want to do now that's so different? And that's why I'm starting to do a lot more podcast and video interviews because I want to be able to tell people in my space, whether it's with digital marketing or with health or business or entrepreneurship, that there's a lot of things that you're going to, to need to push through from, from a success standpoint and to not let yourself stop um, before you're about to succeed. So I, I would say the biggest lesson that I've learned is the idea that the best things in your life are going to happen and, and they're, they're going to happen just before you allow yourself to stop pushing and dreaming. So a lot of people will, will push to that 80% mark or 90% mark and then they'll stop because they think failure is imminent. But the unfortunate thing is, and fortunate thing is, is if they push past that 10% where they thought they needed to quit, nine out of 10 times, they're going to see um, success. But most people get afraid and they stop right before they're three feet from gold, as they say. Three feet from success. It's probably the biggest lesson I've learned in the last 20 years. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Brett, for sharing these with us. Um, the whole world is now talking about artificial intelligence, AI. So I would like us to really break artificial intelligence down for my audience to really appreciate what it is and also how it is shaping the future of digital marketing. So let's start with what really is artificial intelligence? So with AI, I mean, there's different types. I mean, when you look at artificial intelligence, you are, you know, you're looking at processing of data. You're looking at learning different kinds of languages um, and processing the way humans do different types of things. There's deep learning that takes it even further. Um, when I look at artificial intelligence, I'm just looking at the type of technology that is out there that can help compile tons and tons and tons of data and be able to process it very quickly and be able to learn from the data that you have and then be able to learn even at a greater rate by being able to be told certain things to do with that data. So artificial intelligence, in my opinion, is, is I mean, we're, we're, there's a lot of room for growth in terms of having it 
operate more autonomously uh, and it has grown. I look at AI, you know, even for this, this conversation, we can look at AI just from the standpoint of content generation, because there's AI that you can, you can use for, um, from a chat standpoint, there's AI you can use from an image standpoint to create images. You can do the same thing for content, AI for driving. So like for this conversation, I think it makes sense looking at AI from a content generation standpoint. So the way that I'm using AI now is being able to look at creating new content for customers, whether it be for their website, press releases, their blogs, um, their emails, their social media posts, and being able to do things at a very, very quick rate. But there's this old adage that's out there about it's called garbage in, garbage out. If you're not able to tell the AI what to do efficiently and correctly, you're, what you're going to be, what you're going to get from the AI is garbage. So I look at AI from that standpoint of being able to have it process. You know, like you're looking at OpenAI, um, and you have Google that has its own AI now that they're integrating into everything. So. AI is is making its way into it's already made its way into um, Microsoft's you know their search engine with Bing. You can now ask it a variety of questions. Um, Google's doing the same exact thing. Microsoft is now adding in AI into all of its um, different platforms for you know you're looking at like its Office. You know you're looking at Microsoft Word, Excel. It, it's making its way into everything. So it, it, artificial intelligence is going to change the way we do a lot of things. And I tell people, when you look at AI, don't be afraid of it. Look at AI from the standpoint of how can you use this technology to fuel every single thing that you're doing to make you be able to do things 10 times faster with a lot less um, headaches. Okay. So so how is AI really shaping the future of digital marketing? So what AI is enabling us to do now is it's enabling us to create content much faster to be able to to do things way way differently, like even if you look at it from a content creation standpoint, I have people who write content for my clients on a monthly basis, and a lot of these um, content creators were asking like, "Hey, is this going to put me out of business?" And I was telling them, "In your particular case, why don't you use artificial intelligence to rapidly accelerate your output?" Or like, if you want to look at how something is changing in terms of conducting research, when a writer goes to write content, they used to have to go out and conduct search queries on different search engines to see what kind of content existed. They need to see how it was being written, who was writing it, in what tones, how many piece, how, how many words were they supposed to write. So there was a tremendous amount of research that took place. Well, now with AI, you can go in in a matter of like a minute or two minutes, you can figure out everything I just described to you, what you should write about, what are some different topics you should write about? How do you create an outline for writing that topic? And, and instead of taking a lot of time to do it, you're now able to do it really, really quickly. I mean, I can also, like, if you look at keyword research, when I start a project to, to optimize a person's website, we have to know who's searching for what. I now can train AI to go out and I could put a keyword into Google and say, okay, here's my biggest keyword. I go to Google, figure out who the number one um, ranking site is for that keyword. I can go and have the AI visit their website and say, hey, visit this site and tell me what the keywords are that they are focusing on that website based on all the content that exists on the site. That tool is going to come back with a list of 10 to 20 phrases, maybe 10 primary phrases of what the content is about with 10 secondary phrases that are related to the initial keywords that are on that site. So it, that one tool is enabling us to conduct research way faster, get a much better understanding of the, 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 the client's 
their their content, their keywords. And then if, if I want, I can also take and train AI and say, hey, here's all the content for this client's website and put it into the engine. And then I can tell the engine, hey, I need you to to come back with the sentiment, figure out how this was written, you know, where they, was it friendly in tone? Was it witty? Was it informational? Was it educational? Was it conversion friendly? And then once it gets an understanding of that content, then I can tell the AI, hey, I need you to create a new piece of content based on everything that you just read that is in relation to X, Y, and Z using the same tones and write in the same writer's style. Can you write me a piece of content that's a thousand words based on this data? The AI is going to say, yes, I can. And in a matter of 60 seconds, you're going to get what you just asked for. Mm. <laughs> very, very impressive. And it's really making everything we do more efficient. Um, but like you pointed out, you, we all have to be careful how we feed it with information. Because like you pointed out, if you feed it with garbage, of course, the output and the, or the return would also not be that good. My um, guest once again is Brett Lane. And he's been sharing his experience in digital marketing with us. Um, he's been operating in this field for 20 years. 20 years. Um, now, Brett, tell me, um, what advice would you give to a business or an individual just starting out in digital marketing? So I think the best piece of advice I would give them is take a look at what your biggest competitors are doing and figure out a way to emulate them with your time. So if you if you go out and you notice that your biggest competitors are doing podcast interviews or they are doing, you know, like long form content or they're taking and by long form, I mean, they may go out and do a a, a, a study where they're, they're going to figure out what questions are being asked or what can they teach to a user and then take all that content and do and basically do an interview for themselves and create a long form video to then cut up to, to push out to their YouTube channels. And so the, the key really is figuring out what your competitors are doing, what they're doing very well, what differentiates them from everybody else, and then saying, how do I emulate what they're doing and then figure out a way to scale your time? So if you notice that your your competitors are doing podcasts, then yeah, if you have time to go out and conduct a massive amount of research to figure out who they've interviewed with and then and then doing the messaging and then figure out a way to get those same people to interview you. Awesome. You're going to be able to do that at at a lower budget, meaning your time. Now you can also say, "Hey, well, they're also doing that, but they're doing two or three other things." And I would say, "Oh, how can you scale your time? Because we only get, you know, most people work 160 hours each month, so you only have 160 tokens, if you will, to be able to be used there on a, on a on a monthly basis. So you can either use every one of those tokens from your own time, or you can figure out a way of scaling your time. So one good example is you might find a virtual assistant or an assistant that can help you with the outreach efforts for the podcast. So let's say you're wanting to do podcast interviews and you're wanting to do video marketing or video training courses. Well, if you hire a virtual assistant, that person is going to give you an additional 160 hours a month to then go out and find opportunities for you to do podcast interviews as you are working on creating that long form content in terms of creating those videos. And you can use AI. I mean, um, when you look at things like GPT-4, it's $20 a month, but that, that program gives you access to AI that is better than the, the, the non-paid versions of their same technology. And you could literally use the AI to, to, to find out what the questions are being asked in, in relation to your particular industry and then take those questions 
and have a question and answer session with yourself on video. And then you can take those videos and you can cut those up. Now, if you don't have video, you know, um, editing experience, then you could have your VA do all those activities. You know, they can go out and take the videos and cut them up, add in custom um, Im image thumbnails. You can have that person go and do all the submission work for you to all your social media accounts. Now you have a way of scaling out your time and your talents and you're able to scale yourself. Because one of the things I, I found that most people run into is they say they want to do a lot of different things. They really don't help their business hit that critical mass in terms of growth because they're not willing to scale themselves. They want to do everything themselves. They think they have to have control of the whole process when in fact it might make more sense to hiring a, a virtual assistant where you can say, Hey, I want you to do this one thing. Now, even if they, even if they cut up those videos on your behalf and saved you that time, just doing that could save you a lot of headaches which would enable you to do more training. So I would say start scaling yourself and be able to scale the, the types of things that are going to get you the most success. And then also focus on what's going to give you, what what are those those opportunities? Everybody's heard of the 80-20 the Pareto principle where, you know, people are going to have, they're going to get, eight, you know, 20% of what they do gives them 80% of the success for what they're looking to achieve. So I would say find that 20%. You focus on those that 20% of things that's going to help you generate money and new customers and give your team slowly over time as you're building a team, whether it be employees, VAs, or whatnot, give them the activities of the things that have to get done but aren't making you as much money. And then you scale based on those activities. Mm, mm, mm. So, so, Brett, you've been engaging a lot of digital marketing campaigns. Um, how do you measure and track the success of a digital marketing campaign? So success is going to be based on every, every customer. Some clients, let's say you're doing something with social media and you want more brand awareness. For them, their success metrics might be related to the amount of brand awareness they're getting online. So when you start looking within social media sites, it's how many times of our, is our brand being mentioned? Is the sentiment positive, negative, neutral? Um, if you're looking at from an, an SEO standpoint, it could be oh, my site ha only has X amount of exposure within Google search results. In terms of top 10 keyword rankings, visitors to the site, um, conversions. Let's say you're working with an e-commerce client and you're doing content creation and SEO. Well, for them, obviously, they're going to want to sell a lot more products. And, and if you're a business that offers services, you're going to want somebody to, you know, for, for you, success is going to be based on how many people are filling out that form or picking up the phone to get in contact with you to use their services. So when it comes to success metrics for each person, it's going to be very different. It really depends on what you're looking to achieve, what industry you are in, what you're doing, and then defining what those are. So anytime I work or my team works with any, any customer, we have to be able to figure out what are those things that are success to that customer. So it, it could be any number of things, but the goal really is being able to figure out what a customer wants you to achieve in each type of platform and then being able to identify those and then be able to hit those metrics for those customers. So it could be something as simple as, hey, I want to get more online traffic. I want to increase my traffic from Google by 10%, 20% for these particular keywords. How attainable is that, Brett? And how long is it going to take to get to that point? So you have to be very granular with every platform and you have to be able to make sure that you're you're meeting and exceeding the needs of your customers. Okay, thank you so much. So you've talked about a number of things 
in your submission, you've talked about SEO, you've talked about content creation and marketing. As you know, there are so many different digital channels. So how do you approach integrating all these different um, digital marketing channels such as social media, SEO, link building and content marketing to an adhesive strategy? How do you go about doing this? Tell each person, don't get overwhelmed because there's so many things you can do. So when I did my dissertation, I created that on being able to utilize multiple forms of marketing in a way that's going to drive hyper-targeted traffic to a website. And what I meant by that was how do you test multiple forms of marketing to figure out what forms of marketing are going to give you what you need at the lowest cost while generating the greatest type of users. And by that, what I'm saying is being able to go out and look at doing micro tests. So rather than get crazy and say, hey, we're going to test social media and we're going to test out all the different platforms, I would say, you know what, figure out where your target market is interacting. Let's say you're selling products to women. So you, you know, we know that a lot of women will interact on, you know, Pinterest, they'll be on, you know, Instagram, TikTok, and it depends on the age. So maybe you have younger women who are interacting within Instagram and TikTok and YouTube. So what, what I would suggest to them is let's create micro campaigns for each one of those platforms and, and create similar content because you know you're targeting the same type of user. And we know that, you know, people on TikTok, yeah, they're going to need something different than YouTube and Instagram, but you're going to want to take content and, and create it in a way that's tailored to each one of those platforms. Next, you're going to look at running either ad campaigns for those platforms or creating content for those platforms and seeing how users are responding to those types of platforms. So if you're creating, you know, organic type of content and you're noticing that people are interacting more with it, they're commenting, they're liking, they're sharing, they're reposting, they're doing all those things that shows you engagement that I'd say do more of those things. If you're looking at creating um, marketing campaigns from those, those platforms, you don't have to go crazy and spend a, a tremendous amount of money on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook or, or channels of that nature, you could run micro campaigns where you're doing $5 a day, $10 a day, do it, for, do it for a month. Now you're able to figure out which campaigns generated the most amount of engagement and interaction in those platforms. What I would tell people then is take all the wins, the gains, the micro gains, if you will, and then put those into a bucket in terms of those activities and take all the other things from within those three marketing campaigns and no longer do them. So now you have the victories. Maybe you noticed that you know you, you had more of a, more interaction from users on TikTok. You had more interactions and more more people visiting and, and you know watching your videos on YouTube for you know campaign A might have worked well on TikTok. Campaign B worked well on on uh, YouTube, and then campaign C worked really well on Instagram. Well, you want to take those micro victories from each campaigns and accelerate what you did for just those singular things on each platform. So now you got the best of the best from Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And now you're able to figure out, okay, how can I scale each one of these activities? And maybe it's just scaling the activities within YouTube because your conversion rates or your growth on YouTube happen the fastest. So now you start to scale that. And then as you make momentum there, then you may look to, okay, the second performing platform might have been TikTok. Okay, how do you scale what you're doing there? Then you start scaling that over time. And then you, you find a way to start scaling, you know, um, Instagram. And then you just start, you start growing over time. But the big thing is, is a lot of times people get that shiny object syndrome where they, they see so many things that they could do that they try them all and they do them all poorly. 
I, I tell people, try one platform. If you know that the majority of your users are on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube or Facebook, try that, that platform out first. Do everything that you can within that platform. And then once you get success there, then emulate that on the next platform and go to the next one. And everything that I'm telling you, it's, it's very hard to do these things if you're trying to do them by yourself. So find a way to scale, whether you're working with another team or whether you're looking at hiring out VAs that are very good at what they do at, in singular activities. Maybe you hire a VA that's really good at social media posting or one that's good with content or one that's good with AI or one that's good with project management. You have to slowly build your time and utilize the skill set of people who are very specific to a few things. So I'm painting, I'm painting a picture for you that just shows you growth over time by scaling micro activities, because at the end of the day, when you scale those micro activities, what you're going to get is a much bigger strategy that is working um, consistently versus trying to do a lot of different things half-heartedly. Oh, thank you so much, Brett Lane, for sharing your experience with us. Um, just as you've been telling us, it is so clear that this space, this digital marketing space keeps on evolving. Um, new things come up every time. So as an expert in this field, how do you stay up to date with the constantly evolving digital marketing industry? I mean, a big thing is, is listening to podcasts, listening to videos, trying different tools. I have access to a lot of different tools and I'm, I'm constantly learning. So you have to stay up, stay up to date in terms of the news in your particular space. So for me, I'm always learning new things about tech, and in relation to, to artificial intelligence and SEO and content. So I'm always listening and watching YouTube videos. I'm, I'm figuring out, well, where's the content coming out the quickest? I, I ha For whatever reason, AI right now is a lot of the notions and the tools are coming out and there's a lot more awareness within YouTube. So I watch a tremendous amount of YouTube with new tools and, and tips and tricks and things of that nature. So a lot of it really depends on what your industry is and what, what your wanting to learn. You know, if you're learning more about AI, hey, it makes sense to do more research on YouTube because you're going to get a lot of really good data there. Um, if you're looking at things that are very, very specific, you may want to look at specific news um, types of websites specific to your industry. So like for me, there's a lot of different sites out there related to SEO and social media and things of that nature. So that's where I would go, but it's always keeping your head, you know, in the, the news or it could be something as simple as going out and um, interacting with people at different conferences. And I travel all over the place just to, to learn new things. I, I'm in a, a five different masterminds where I go out and I get to interact with people at, at different masterminds where we're all we're doing is networking and, and figuring out what's working for our businesses. And then we're sharing ideas. So those are a few, a few of the ways that, that I'm able to stay on top of, of my industry. All right. Thank you. Um, Brett, can you share any predictions or insights on where you see this whole digital marketing industry, this whole digital marketing space heading the next five to 10 years? I would say in the next five years, what we're going to start seeing is a lot more tools that are aiding with the creation of different kinds of content, whether because I'm, I'm seeing things right now where there's more movement being made with videos, with audio, with text. I'm seeing things where there's tools where you can literally take your face and you can you can record yourself doing a, a video to where you can use your own recordings to put in text 
to create new videos based on just text that you're typing into a screen. So there's, they're, they're, they're called humitars and you know, you can either take your own, your, yourself, or you could take other actors. Um, so I'm seeing just a tremendous amount of movement as it relates to content creation. Um, and that's, that's where in terms from, for digital marketing, I see a lot of opportunity because we're able to scale things at a much quicker rate, but where I see the, the biggest amount of opportunity is for content creators who are staying true to the game, who are using AI to get things done faster, but they're, they're putting in the time and the effort. So a good example of that is if I go to AI and, and have it come up with the top 30 questions that consumers would ask in relation to social media and how, or, or SEO, how do you find the right kind of person that you should work with? If I take that AI and come up with 30 questions and then have it come up with 30 different YouTube transcripts that I could use to talk with. And then I take that transcript and I do a video of myself recording where I'm not reading, but I'm going through and giving my own version of what I'm talking about. Now I'm able to create original content. It took a lot of my own time. And then I take that video and I cut it up into 30 videos. Now I have 30 pieces of content that can go out to social media where people can see that I put in a tremendous amount of effort to give them content. That is very different than me going out and using AI to create the 30 questions, the 30 scripts, the giving those 30 scripts to a software that would then use a humitar to read everything. And they have a, and it, and it looks pretty professional. And then they're able to take those 30 videos and chop them up. And now you've got 30 videos that were created through AI that look pretty good, but it was done at scale. Now, when you present those 30 videos from one, one, you know, you, you present the videos, my videos versus the videos created with AI. People can tell that I put mine together and they can tell that I put in the time to get that content. So I think it's going to create a much greater area of opportunity for authenticity for people who are looking to grow within the social space. Because if you know that you have the opportunity to create 30 pieces of content and it's all done in an automated fashion, you're going to see the airwaves via YouTube are going to get cluttered with new content that consumers aren't going to have much trust with. So I do see a tremendous amount of opportunity with creating more of an authentic brand online by people who are willing to put in the extra work. Mm. Mm. We're just about wrapping up. Um, what would be your pieces of advice to my listeners regarding succeeding in the digital marketing space? I would say whether it's digital marketing or whether it's just business or entrepreneurship in and of itself, the key thing you have to look at is keeping yourself grounded and being driven and staying focused. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, I've been in this space for 20 years and I'm coming to a point where I'm seeing all these changes in technology and it's getting harder to stay focused on those aspects that are going to give success. So I'm having to retrain myself with having two decades of experience to say, Hey, Go back to how you did this old school. Look at those activities that give you the most amount of success for sales, for marketing, where you spend the least amount of time that get the most amount of success. And success could be you know, the most amount of interviews if you're a podcaster or exposure or sales or, or things of that nature. Just being able to make sure that you are staying focused on those things and not allowing all the naysayers the people who, who tell you that you, you're not going to succeed or you're not going to get to be as big as you want. You have to push all that out of your own head, get out of your own headspace and make sure that you're only putting things in where like you want to talk about, you know, technology, your brain, 
being able to program your brain at a subconscious level that in a way that, that you're showing yourself, I only accept success. Even when I fail, those failures are success because they're teaching me new ways of doing things to get closer to my goals. So as long as you keep those things in mind, I, I truly believe any person in business, um, depending, it doesn't matter if it's digital marketing or any other form of business, you're going to be successful if you stay the course. Mm, stay the course. Stay the course. There will certainly be ups and downs, but stay the course. Um, Brett, I'm just about wrapping up. Any last words for my listeners before we wrap up? I think the, the last thing really is just instead of being afraid of technology, embrace it and figure out a way to use it in a, in a way that, that accelerates what you're doing. Because there's going to be a lot of people in a lot of industries that are going to fall by the wayside because they think that technology is going to take over what they're doing. I tell them, there has to be somebody who feeds the machine with what it needs. So you might as well be that person to create larger economies of scale with your with this technology and your skill set. So do not be afraid of technology. Use it in a way that's going to further every aspect of your life. Do not be afraid of technology. Embrace technology and use it for your use. So these are the last words of my guest, Brett Lane. Thank you so much, Brett, for sharing your rich experience with us today on the Entrepreneur Speaks podcast. We wish you the very best. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. So this has been another exciting episode of the Entrepreneur Speaks podcast. I'll come your way next time with another exciting episode. I remain your host, Kofi Animedu. As always, do take good care of yourself and let's continue to keep hope alive. Cheers. Please be sure to subscribe to the Entrepreneur Speaks podcast on all your favorite podcast channels. And if you have any questions or feedback, feel free to reach out to us on social media or in the comments section below. Mm-hmm.